0: Hi, this is J.P. Mack, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. And so today, as I speak, it is July 5th, 2021, so I'd like to wish the United States of America a belated 245th birthday. Happy birthday, America. Long may you live. And on that topic of how long. America as we know it will live. We'll, we can dive in uh, um, on that subject and we'll talk about um, some of the threats to America as we've known it as a uh, democratic constitutional republic. And so there's a, a couple of of movements uh, going on now intertwined of course in their politics and policies one of course is the blm black lives matter incorporated movement say black lives matter blm incorporated to distinguish them from the sentiment of black lives matter which of course we all agree upon um but the backlot black lives matter incorporated they're a uh, marxist revolutionary group um and they are led by self-proclaimed marxists and so that's not my word that's their word and of course if you go online you uh, you can see that a lot of marxist trope on there and some of it is almost uh, if you've ever read the communist manifesto it's very very clearly uh, pulled from those ideas um so in particular uh the idea of defunding the police um i guess destroying and rebuilding the police um as an or- organization that uh serves the collectivist cause the marxist cause that that's the idea marxist and of course public schools that actually um it's not necessarily a marxist idea but it is one that marx was in favor of uh, marx is also in favor of the graduated tax system or, you know, the multi-layer, multi-level uh, tax system that we have. So, is yeah, that. Uh, there's also this uh, notion of uh, dissolving the nuclear family. So that's the, the parents and the and the sons and daughters of that family the the immediate family they want marx want to do away with that notion and of course you you may remember hillary clinton famously saying quoting that the african uh saying that it takes a village to raise a child mm-hmm. and so this is uh where that's all leading is the ultimate destruction of the nuclear family uh again they want to their aim in general um and now i'm kind of talking about uh, leftism in general um they the aim their aim is to destroy the nuclear family as we know it you know mother father sister brother you know that idea and replace it with with a the idea of people being raised by the state or by the uh community or by the collective okay and then there's the kind of mainstream political wing uh leftism or collectivism and that's would be like typically personified by aoc and her crew uh, ilian omar um and and the rest and also center uh, bernie Sanders, bernie sanders Uh, These are all uh, elements of the far left. And uh, I know at least AOC and Bernie Sanders are self-proclaimed democratic socialists. So there you go. They're telling you what they're about. And then, of course, there is, that's all intertwined with the idea of collectivism, um we're kind of seeing that uh this is something i pointed out before covid-19 um kind of america between 1968-69 when we had the flu then which killed over 100,000 americas or americans over the course of i believe over the uh, 12 to 24 months so over the course of within 2 years uh, something like hundred thousand Americans died of that flu epidemic or pandemic. Um, of course, those of you who are old enough to remember, or those of you, us who, um, studied history of that time period, we know that there was no mask wearing. There was no, um, there was no real hysteria around the flu outbreak. Um, it was pretty much business as usual during that epidemic, uh, one of the more severe in the United States history. Probably, I think, after the 1918 Spanish flu, I believe, I could be mistaken, but that may be the worst one since then. And then, so now with the COVID-19 epidemic, uh, we have uh, collectivist values at the fore. And collectivist values say that you need to wear a mask to keep my father or grandfather from being infected. And, and the problem with that is it doesn't speak anything of uh, individual responsibility. You know, it's, uh, they're coming from the point of view is you have to do this for me and for the people I love. As opposed to like a more individualist perspective where it says, I am doing this to save or help the people either for my loved ones. And since I respect your loved ones too, um, you know, if, you know, you can show me that uh, wearing a mask is going to help that, then I'm glad to do that. Um, but I'm, I'm wearing this mask to protect my loved ones and you're welcome to do so to protect yours and that's kind of the difference is you know who is speaking and uh to whom is it me speak to you as an individual saying this is what i'm going to do for others or is it in the collectivist mindset this is what i want you to do for me and my loved ones so just kind of delineate difference there. Of course we've been talking about I've been uh I've been keeping up with the podcast, I've been talking about a lot of Ayn Rand's uh objectivism. Uh she would probably say after you know becoming more familiarized with her philosophy, um, you know, her individualism uh would say it's it's well she would she would call it um rational I guess, uh, rational individualism in that you know, I'm, for instance, going to wear a mask because I want to protect myself or my loved ones or those around me because I care about them. So, you know, she entitled her book, The, uh, the Virtue of Selfishness. It's not selfishness as we've been taught to think of it. It's selfishness in the sense that it's in your own rational self-interest. And if you love the people around you, then you're going to do things for their interest too. And so that's where she was coming from. And so I kind of would expand my own thinking according to those lines, or at least explain it that way. Is if I'm going to do something, it's going to be for a loved one because not because you demand me to do it but because my own self-interest says i don't want to lose this person my father or mother or uh, elderly aunt or what have you so i'm going to take it upon myself to do what's necessary um and we can argue you know what that is but basically that's the concept and that's kind of, at least, and that's, that's a mindset uh, that has transformed over the decades. As I said, between the last pandemic in 69, 68, 69, and this current one that's winding down, hopefully, in 21. Uh, we've gone from an individualist mindset to a collectivist mindset, or at least those in power have the collective mindset i think probably the the uh majority of americans still have the individualist mindset the uh, rational selfishness or the rational individualism as Ayn rand would probably term it that's probably where most america is but the people with the power trying to make the rules or at least making the biggest waves with covid there of the collectivist mindset so it's what you need to do for me for the good of the collective and so there's that difference that's happened subtly uh over the past uh several decades or over the past 50 years and so moving on then of course we have uh kind of going back to the blm angle uh, blm incorporated um, there's, of course, this whole movement of critical race theory, uh, which basically says that it divides people up into races with a proposition that says that you're either an oppressor race or one of the oppressed. And, of course, in their worldview, um, in the West, whites are an oppressor race and every other minority in uh, america or western civilization is an oppressed and so therefore that um racism as they describe it someone like uh ibram x Kendi would probably uh describe it or robin d'angelo would describe it uh a, a proponent of crt you know, they would just, we know, of course, that they talk about only whites in our society can be racist. And, of course, that's not true. And so let's let's talk about that for a minute. Um, because this gets at um, the cohesion, the very cohesion of our society, uh, particularly of our country. Our country was founded on a notion that all men by extension, all women were created equal under the endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that, of course, could be almost basically what I would say the credo of the American conservative. And that is the basis of our, our founding. Now, they talk about the basis of our founding. Um, they talk about the 1619 Project, for instance um you know they talk about the it's they make it sound like america was founded for whites by whites you know exclusively for the benefit of white people and that's not the truth of course we know if we actually studied history that the first colonists of america um you know when we think of the pilgrims we think of people who came to America in order to uh, have new lives in a, in a new continent, away from the old guard, the old thinking that uh, was a collectivist form. Um, in some sense, it was you know it was mainly monarchies or some sort of other uh, collectivist form, you know, or some authoritarian regime. Uh, There was no really any functioning democracy. There's no really any functioning democracy, democratic republic prior to the United States, um, unless you want to count uh, ancient Greece or Rome in that. But uh, this basically, the United States was the first country ever founded on on the notion that of um, governor, of the people the most righteous and and most just governors of the people are the people themselves and so this basically the first uh country um aside from uh, a few native american nations uh in the northeast what's now the united states and canada you know had uh, also had a democratic form but aside from that in the western world what we think of the western world now is you know the united states was the first ever um republic founded upon those ideas that the people rule the country and not uh some ruler and so that was a uh, breakthrough that was a break with the previous traditions and so now um you know, under the collectivist this less leftist collectivist movement we have now that is all um regressive you know they call themselves a progressive movement but actually if you look at it historically uh it's quite regressive um it's regressive in terms of race relations um they are for segregation they are Basically, if you extrapolate the meaning, they suggest that there is a, a morally inferior race and a morally superior race. And so that is a regressive attitude. Uh, they, they've kind of flip flopped the races that it used to be that, um, you know, for the bigots in, in this country and other countries. Um, for them not necessarily an ordinary american but for those bigots those or who grew up in that society like in in the uh antebellum south for instance where slavery was okay or, or accepted you know you had a uh, uh idea that one one race was inferior to the other and uh with, through CRT and other, you know, you you might call it anti-racism or whatever. Um, that we're regressing, you know, America is regressing to that, uh, mindset of superior and inferior races. Only they've kind of changed the, the race involved, the races involved to suit their own political needs and you have to understand that that is why it was done uh it was not done under any really i would suggest any altruistic um reasoning it was done purely as a calculated uh move to uh shift the centers of power to where they were with you know the people um to certain people um those and the uh social elites or the political elites in this country this whole notion i mean we had just gotten to the point uh with dr martin luther king of basically the idea of all men uh, being created equal um regardless of race we had just gotten to that point or well, probably that was the predominant feeling. You know, that was the um, default sentiment of all Americans, black, white, or brown or Asian. That was the the default sentiment is that you know you judge people by the content of their character, and not the color of their skin. That had we had just gotten to that point when basically the academic academics um on love said no this is this won't do and of course the reason that they knew that wouldn't do to further their cause is going back to marx marxism talks about uh a class struggle Uh, said that the, the proletariat has to rise up against the bourgeoisie and to create a dictatorship of the proletariat And so, when that uh, uh, class war did not happen in the West, then they tried to look for another way to make it happen. And of course, one way, of course, fascists decided to make it instead of class, you make it uh, nation versus nation. You, You forget about class and you concentrate on just the state versus other states. And they did it that way. Of course the communists um kept on with the class versus class in uh maoist china and uh in the former soviet union but in the united states and in western europe um they were frustrated because that that predicted class struggle didn't happen so did the, the idea came to them um via the, the uh proponents of critical theory from uh coming from the frankfurt school from germany and being transported transplanted here to the united states is they decided to uh replace the idea of a class struggle with one of a race struggle and they figured that that was just as good for achieving their aims as a class struggle because it's all about revolution now it's kind of interesting if you think about it because Marx was thinking that you know it was the workers whose rights were maybe not being looked out for or they were not uh, being had they didn't have the wages that he would have had or there was not kind of fairness in his mind so he thought the struggle was between uh class so it's interesting how malleable their philosophy was, and they were adopted. And so, if your modern day socialist or modern day leftist is, is worried about a race struggle, then whatever happened to the class struggle? That's something that maybe we can consider. And, but anyhow, they that was what they started. The, on the left, that was—that's one of the movements on that that you see coming to fruition with the modern left is their obsession with race, and of course the 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 purpose of that is to create, and because you can't have a, a a race war until the races are divided between each other against each other, and as that is of course the ultimate objective of the uh these new style leftists um it's hard to describe them Um, we like to say that they're socialists you know they call themselves democratic socialists but really many i think many aspects of what they want is actually similar to fascism in that fascism kept together some notion of private property it was just the purpose of you owning that property and controlling your company or what have you you know the purpose of the capitalism was supposed to be for the needs of the state and and fascism that was but so there was kind of lip service given to the idea of private property but everybody knew who the real owner was the owner was the state and that's the the one commonality that these new socialists have with the 20th century fascists is that they don't necessarily want to do away with capitalism they want to co-opt it and make the purpose of capitalism they would say for the state but of course the real purpose is for the ruling elite to get whatever they want for for their wins And so that's their purpose. And the way, and of course this is Independence Day, and these all um, are things that go against the grain of America's founding, or founding, again, under the idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And of course, well, we've seen uh, in communist and socialist regimes in the past, particularly in the 20th century, you have more than 100 million people being murdered in uh, the name of a uh, collectivist cause or the other in uh, Mao's China, uh, Soviet Union, and uh, that would include Hitler's Germany as an offshoot of socialism called fascism. And so, obviously, some of the most brutal atrocities and the most death uh, within the last hundred years, has occurred during, in the name of one collectivist regime or another. And so that goes against the grain of, obviously, life, and life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, it goes against liberty, because you cannot be at liberty to say whatever you want to say. And, of course, that kind of brings me to my next point, or the next uh, front, or next battle on this front of uh, for America, this heart and soul cannot allow you to be able to speak your mind. Um, even if you're giving facts, if the facts run counter to their narrative, to what they want, then that has to be eliminated. That has to be censored. That has to be removed from any public discourse. And so you have this whole movement Uh, And I did a podcast earlier um, when they took down, for instance, Parler. Parler since then has uh, come back up. But the whole idea was, well, it was kind of a dual purpose, I think, was that it was really just uh, other platforms, other concerned entities taking out the competition. But it was also not just taking out the competition in, in a sense of um a corporation when one, one company taking out its, co- its another company in in a, a corporate dog 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 eat dog world it was also in the in the realm of ideas so you had these left-leaning uh, social media groups you know be basically a lot of facebook to, to the extent their political ideology um definitely skews to the left and of course you have um along with them you have twitter which basically you know again they skew far left and so you have these platforms that are taking out other platforms like um like Parler they tried to take out Parlor because that was given voice to people who didn't agree with their collectivist position. And they could not control the flow of information coming from Parler. So they decided Parler had to go. And again, that was for financial reasons, but also ideological reasons. And so you had groups colluded together. Um, I I think it's pretty pretty fair to say that there was collusion between, for instance, uh, Facebook and Twitter and Google and uh, some of the other, and Amazon, too, of course, to, to take down Parler. And, of course, it was all done under the pretense of the January 6th riots at the Capitol, which they call an insurrection, which is ridiculous. It's not an insurrection. An insurrection is a planned attempt to take over government. And, of course, they, while maybe there were individuals who were who were thinking about doing that or or something along those lines the vast majority of people on january 6 2021 were there for a peaceful protest and and they you know it's it's interesting Uh, i'm just going off on a tangent here about uh january 6 is because you see a lot they're kind of rewriting history, in that they're framing it as a movement to overthrow the constitution, and that's like ridiculous on its face. Because with the people that who are the Trump supporters, the I'm talking about the the regular Trump supporters, not like the QAnon people or the far right, any far right organizations. There, I'm talking about the rank and file Trump supporter or republican supporter um they're obviously not there to overthrow the constitution in their mind they were enforcing the constitution because and because of an, an interpretation of the constitution how the election election laws work is that basically the electoral college has to be validated and there's a validation process and they thought that if the validation process was done a I guess a different way, or they believed that the the way it was supposed to be done was deviated from uh particularly by the Democrats running from trying to get Biden and other Democrats elected and so they believed that it was uh leftist interests that had um basically we're attacking the democratic process and of course what, what do the left what does the left does do they always project their faults on others so they're ironically calling the protesters they peace, peaceful protesters at, on January 6th they're referring to them as being anti-constitutional which of course is ridiculous how can you be an American uh conservative and be anti-constitutional it's an oxymoron but that's their picture they're trying to paint and that's what that's really one of the angles uh few i've seen that repeated uh several times online that lie that the the, the, the ordinary people again not the not the far right people or, or the extremists but the ordinary people that was represent probably 99.9 percent of the people there. On that day, they were fighting for what they thought was what the Constitution called for. Um, so that'd be like the vice president being having basically having the final approval uh, for the Electoral College before he presents the results and, and verifies the results to congress so he's like the final check on that and of course the conservatives and i think they have a very good constitutional argument that the vice president does indeed have a power it's not just a ceremonial transfer of power or acknowledging of election results it's a a real power a real check on being the final check on whether the election was fair or not and of course what the argument was on behalf of the Republicans, was that there were inconsistencies. Uh, There were several states that had broke with the constitutionally approved ways of holding their elections, uh, basically to simplify the constitution calls for the states to make up their own rules, how they're going to do federal elections. And so, and of course you had several states making laws uh, some of them uh with the excuse of covid voting and, and whatnot but some of them predating the covid crisis to simply make it easier for or the balloting less secure and so what the objective was um you know, hate i don't want to about um the future of america is to, to see what the enemies or the people, the anti-American forces, anti-constitutional forces, anti-traditional American forces, whatever you want to call them, what they're up to. And, uh, of course, these are, when I talk about that, this is the far left and the collectivist that I'm talking about here, trying to do this. And so, to further their purposes, several states changed their election laws and They did it, in some cases, in contravention to what the Constitution called for. Again, it has to be Constitution calls for state control of the election laws. And that was not what was happening. And then there was, of course, there was a lot of uh, irregularities, uh, a lot of statistical anomalies that were not sufficiently answered at the time, were not sufficiently addressed at the time. And so... That is why they, the people were there. That's why 99% of those people that attended the rally on January 7, uh, 6, 2021, were there. Um, it wasn't to overthrow the Constitution. That's ridiculous. Now, were there some people who were trying to do some sort of coup? That's possible, even likely, but that's vast, vast majority compared to those who were who were there and so but that is a lie and of course you know we know from the 20th century history the idea of the big lie repeated enough becomes seen as truth and that's one of the lies that that's being repeated uh so that it will become the truth the idea that the people who attended that rally um talking about again rank and file republican or trent or trump supporter you know who def- who saw themselves as defending the constitution they were being accused of trying to overthrow it which is ridiculous again it's, it's an oxymoron if you understand american conservatism so there's that lie and then of course you know as i mentioned the idea of 1619 um america was was america's birthday yesterday was the 245th anniversary of america becoming country okay which would put america coming becoming a country in 1776 not 1619 okay so and if you want to go back to 1619 they didn't come To america the pilgrims didn't come to america they land on plymouth rock to set up some sort of white supremacist group or country Uh, they came to plymouth rock because they were trying to get away from the old old european system and they wanted to do something on religious grounds they wanted religious freedom and so the whole idea, I mean, when we think when we celebrate Thanksgiving, that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating that group of pilgrims that came here for religious freedom, and of course, other people, you know, other colonies um, like in Virginia, they were they came here for economic freedom or sometimes adventurism. But again, this idea of white nationalist group or nation is ridiculous on its face because first of all these were europeans why would they were they were not concerned with race you know they were all from western europe and so they were would have all been virtually all white so um the idea of them having any kind of racial motivation for coming over here um is just ridiculous on its face I mean, they came here for either economic freedom, political freedom, or religious freedom. And, and so it just does not make sense, you know, that if you have an almost uh, racially, you know, homogenous homogenesis coming here, um, why would they even be considering race? They're, they're, the people that they're leaving are the same race as them, okay, and they're all all of the original colonists were almost all white. And, you know, they want to bring up um, slaves that were brought over in 1619. But that they were brought over, that was, you know, that was incidental to them coming over. That was the purpose of them coming over. Because obviously, if they had slaves in the old world, they could have continued to have slaves in the old world. Um, so they did not need to move to the new world to have slaves okay so that idea is ridiculous on its face Um, but that is one of those uh, untruths that's being used to pit american against american Um, at least now i think most americans are waking up to it Um, you can see now people are kind of declaring their independence from their school boards and saying you know the the tyranny of the school boards and they're waking up to that and they're protesting that and they're speaking out against things like critical race theory and uh teaching like things like graphic sex ed into um grade schoolers um, they're speaking up against these things so that is good i think that is the true spirit of the american revolution at work um it's not anything that happened on january 6th as the left would have you believe but these people who are standing up in school boards running for school board elections and speaking up against their administrations their local administrations that's that is what i would say is the true spirit of the american revolution and these people these moms and dads um, who are just fighting for the rights to have their kids not indoctrinated politically in school? Uh, these are the true heirs of the American Revolution, and these are the people that we should be thinking about today. That's um, it. Let let the left think about what they will. But um, those of us who understand, I, in my opinion, the true. The true American spirit, I think, that can be found with those um, ordinary people standing up. It's not even a matter of politicians, big-name politicians standing up. It's it's ordinary people like you and me standing up for what we believe is right and for our kids not to be indoctrinated and for us not to be uh, indoctrinated in work or in in our... when we we, if we're going to college or whatever uh we are against our indoctrination and so that is um on this uh july 4th weekend that i think um is the true spirit of the american revolution playing itself out in real time and so you know much respect to those people Those ordinary Americans standing up for the rights not to be indoctrinated or have their kids indoctrinated. Um, So, but, you know, we can talk about more politics because there is this notion of American exceptionalism, which I believe is a real thing. And, of course, there's so many examples of American exceptionalism. Uh, I did a piece last year called It's Okay to Love America. And I just re-released that. So if you're on Parler, you can um, uh, release that because Parler probably, I was not probably on Parler at that time. But anyhow, I did a podcast last year at this time about uh, It's Okay to Love America. So I'm not going to do that whole um, reading again but uh i did want to uh just give like the highlights that i list and you can read this online it's on libertyrelearn.com it's okay to love america here's just a couple of notions and excerpts from it uh we beat the most powerful empire at the time britain through a combination of sheer determination imagination and just plain luck of course a lot have been lot has been made just how much of the american victory was almost pure chance it was um because that's a war that probably we should not have won on paper we definitely should not have won that on paper but you know kind of like in football and other professional sports you know the game is not played on paper (laughs) and that's why you play the game and that's kind of what happened here you know it's kind of the any given sunday or the in in any given, uh, year in the 1770s, um, and so, you know, the idea, and, like, that we had someone like George Washington, um, like, just going through Valley Forge, which wasn't even a victory, it was just keeping a ragtag army together, through extremely hard times basically through the will of his own leadership i mean that alone and of course you know we had a, a extraordinary series of events that lead us led us to our victory at yorktown uh, you know the decision of the uh british general he was Hal, up north not to come down south and help lord Con- cornwallis after Lord Cornwallis begged him for help and re- send reinforcements, uh, he made every excuse in the book not to come down. And by the time he he even, I guess, tried to mobilize his forces, it was too late. The Battle of Yorktown was already lost, um, particularly with the help of our allies, the the French, who uh, helped um, keep keep the you know blockade, the and bombard the. Um, the uh, fortress at Yorktown, you know, uh, there where the, uh, the British were dug in at Yorktown. The French bombed them from the sea. They also kept reinforcements coming from the north from the British, and, and of course, uh, Washington uh, led the victory from the Continental Army. And but that ha- only happened through a, an amazing. A sequence of events um both having to do with strategic skill uh, bravery luck and oh you know we'll have to say divine providence that's one good thing you know we we established our country was almost defying odds just from that and of course we freed the slaves because um, you know at the beginning of our country there was slavery it was legal uh, but we also have to remember that slavery was abolished in pennsylvania even before the battle of yorktown was fought and support uh, for slavery ended in the north early um, of course pennsylvania was founded by a quaker named uh, william penn so that that the notion that right there Uh, the founding of the state of Pennsylvania, which was basically the capital state. And of course you had Philadelphia as the capital city and the capital state at the time of the colonies. You know, that, that whole area was basically a hotbed of abolitionists. And of course Quakers and others for, specifically for religious beliefs were against slavery. And so the idea of um the the founding of america being founded for slavery falls flat on its face you just have to look at the history of pennsylvania and uh to show in it and as someone pointed out i forget who it was it was all over the northern colonies basically almost imposing their will on the southern colonies um against britain in common cause the fight against britain um it was basically you know, everything that was going on to start the revolutionary war happened in massachusetts um in new england and in um in pennsylvania and so it was all of the northern colonies were the driving force of the revolution and of course there, there was plenty of people, patriots in the South, too, who were willing to take up arms against the crown. And so we, we've, we fought the revolution that uh, set, the, um, set up our ability to later have the Emancipation Proclamation. And, of course, we, we, we freed the slaves at tremendous cost. Uh, 600,000 or so Americans lost their lives in that conflict. So roughly 300,000 of them were on north. So it's literally the truth that 300,000 people lost their lives in the cause of freeing slaves. And so we did that. And we're the only country that ever had a civil war um, over slavery uh, for the purpose of ending slavery. You know, that was us. That's one of the things that makes America exceptional. And also, but more on a positive note, you know, with that power, what did we do with that power? Well, we invented stuff, lots of cool stuff. We invented a lot of things that the world would have a lot of trouble getting along without. Basic stuff like light bulbs, the telephone, wireless communication, the internet, zippers, the airplane, nothing too important uh also um you know the map of the world looks the way it does largely because of america you know a lot of that comes from the first world war the dividing up of countries after the first world war and after the second world war but the map of the world today the alice is what it is today mainly because of what happened during the cold war it's due to the United States and the Western powers winning the Cold War against the Soviet Union and other communist states. And so the, you know, we such a country as Czechoslovakia anymore. Okay, it's now Slovak Republic and Czech Republic. And there are two Koreas. The, re- the reason is is two Koreas, not one is because we were able to keep half the southern half of Korea free uh, when the communists tried to take over the entire peninsula. And, and of course, there is no such thing as Yugoslavia anymore. And that was the result, a combination of us, the Allies, winning the World War II and then the dissolution of the Soviet hegemony. so now there's no more yugoslavia there are you know you have slovenia you have croatia serbia and these other states there there's no yugoslavia anymore because that was artificial invention and so we we shaped the world literally when we when you look at the map that's that's america mainly that did that um And then, uh, as I mentioned, we helped win two two World Wars and the Cold Wars. Um, That's largely, uh, particularly the Cold War was down to uh, basically um, America, but particularly Ronald Reagan, um, set up the final blow against the Soviet Union. Um, Actually happened after his presidency, but I, I doubt anybody. Would really not give credit to Ronald Reagan for you know if if there's one person who can be called the one who won the the Cold War it's Ronald Reagan okay and of course we sent a man to the moon in fact we sent several of them to date the only human beings ever to walk on the moon have been American every single human being to take a selfie on the moon has been an American every single human being ever to drive a cool dune buggy on the moon has been an American. every single human being to drive a golf ball on the moon you guess it has been an american and so that um i like that as a good example of american exceptionalism and then uh, we help people we are very good and charitable people as a country and this is what i'm kind of talking about in a larger scale when i talk about individual self-interest it's not just pure selfishness where we help only ourselves we help other countries because it's the right thing to do and and a lot of times it's our allies but sometimes it's countries that are not too well that, that don't like us like when we helped Iran ran after the earthquake and we helped many other countries after um tsunamis and uh, hurricanes and storms and earthquakes and volcano ex- uh, eruptions america has led the the world in almost every instance every time there's a natural disaster even if against people or against the country that we don't get along with like a iran for instance uh, we help them Uh, and of course americans are very generous americans give more to charity than just about any other country i think at the time i wrote this we were i think we're number three some categories we were number one but uh america was always in uh, i think the top three uh for uh charitable giving giving and that's because we've, I, I would attribute that to America holding on to its Judeo-Christian values and founding. Because uh, you don't see that really. Uh, if you have the collectivist mindset and you think it's someone else's duty to help you and you're asking other, you're demanding of other people to do things for you to help you, as I mentioned before with the COVID thing, um, that that comes from the collectivist mindset. And so, even though they speak in terms of altruism, what the, what they really are doing is, uh, in, a, in a strange way, uh, selfishness. And so, now, we're... Um, so, that is our... Uh, we're going to kind of leave it there. Um, I'm just going to read this last paragraph from... That piece it's okay to love America. That sums up, I think, neatly what I just said. Uh, to hear it from some people, you think that America was a terrible place with the terrible history. With few redeeming qualities. Some of their points are valid, but they do not give a balanced perspective on our nation. Our founding fathers were men of wisdom and courage who sacrificed much and were prepared to give even more. Even their lives, if necessary, to gain our independence. That spirit of sacrifice, putting liberty and freedom above our own lives and fortunes carried on to this day. No country has done more to further the cause of liberty than the United States. Our influence is global. Literally, we helped rewrite atlases. We've helped oppressive countries disappear and be replaced with more liberal ones. From freeing black Americans from slavery to freeing other nations from the tyranny and oppression, America has always taken a lead role. We make and do cool stuff, like build the Panama Canal and send cars into space. We help the less fortunate in our own country and across the globe. Even when it comes to countries we don't exactly see eye to eye with politically, we offer them help in their time of need. In short, There's an awful lot to be proud of if you're an American. That doesn't mean we ignore the bad or not continue to correct injustices. It means that our positive contributions and our achievements far outweigh the negative. And for that, we should be proud. And I'm going to leave you on that because we should be proud. We should be celebrating our Independence Day. And when you look on the, at the flag today and tomorrow and next day, uh, I think may long way, long may she wave, um, over the f- land of the free and home of the brave. And so thank you for our listening. And I appreciate you listening. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, uh, give it four star rating or whatever, uh, thumbs up rating on your podcast uh, provider and uh, feel free to interact with the podcast uh, you know through the mechanisms of your whatever podcast provider you're on Uh, feel feel free to interact and also check us out online libertyrelearn.com on facebook as liberty relearned and see you uh, when i'm up to jp mac on parlor and thank you um, stay healthy stay happy and stay free thanks bye